Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas, Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. I am joined in the studio today by all kinds of people. We've had a a wandering soul come in uh, by the name of Evan Grant who's been on the road and he's back home again. I am. Um home again. Home again. He does uh, not look fully engaged. No, he's not fully engaged. <laughs> I was reading on something. I was doing some preparation. Uh, good for you. That's great. Were you that's reading really... Kevin? Because really, that's all he talks about on the show. Wow. Well, I, but I have to go back and figure out which column he's going to cite from like 12 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> you know, you could go back and read any of them. It's so and, memorable. Because and you'd certainly be, people remember what I wrote on June 2nd. You'd be much better off if you were just reading my stuff. I, I'm else. going to make a, a suggestion that they use pictures just in place of words for you from now on well you know that's what we're that's where we're heading towards so so good for you for predicting that <laughs> also joining us in the studio the guy insulting me to my right uh david moore uh, who covers the cowboys for us at least for now he does <laughs> yeah all of this is subject to change <laughs> yes, very quickly that's right any minute now and if i have anything to say i'm over it, it might happen <laughs> well, even that, faster that's very clear yeah so so anyway, so yeah, we got David in here to talk about these Cowboys, and, and he's going to talk about the Rangers a little a while later, too. But we want to ask about something that, you know, people are popping off left and right about the Cowboys these days. Uh, T.O. is saying stuff, and we really don't care that much about what T.O. says, do we? <laughs> Some people do. Some people find it amusing. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it's just amusing to me to have a guy who was so me first, uh, you know, complaining about it. I mean, I, I'm not saying he's wrong about Jason Garrett. He might be. He might be right about Jason Garrett and whether he he should still be the head coach of the Cowboys. Uh, you know, that's certainly a, a point that a lot of people debate and argue about. It's just that it's coming from him. You know, that's yeah. the problem. And, and to me, the thing on T.O. and why he's so why he's so divisive is that he's he's really the most insidious sort of guy in a locker room in a lot of ways because there is there is usually a kernel of truth to everything he brings up. Yeah. But it's always strictly from his perspective. He is always the central point of it. And so while there may be an element of truth to it, it's always from his perspective as being the center of the universe. So each time he picks off different people, he appeals to different groups in the yeah. locker room. You know, if you, you know, this group or this contingent will go, well, you know, there, there really is something to that. Yeah. But then he'll say something else that will, you know, be— will actually throw those guys under the bus, then they'll get upset. Yeah. But another segment of the locker room agrees with it. So uh, I, I think it just shows whenever whenever you put yourself as at the center of the universe and make these comments, uh, th- there may be some truth to them, but uh, this is not about working in a team environment. And, and, and this is why you saw this is, look, he— this was every locker room he was ever in. It's not like this was unique to the Cowboys. Oh, and, no. And, and they're, you know, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll go through the comments. Uh, like I said, there are some things that you can point to and say, uh, well, yeah, you can't dismiss this. But that's why he's such a polarizing figure, because then right. people will say, 
oh, well, you're just dismissing him because you don't like him. Right. Uh, that's not it. No, and you're right. That is the word. I have been in environments where there are people like that who, um, uh, and I can think of one right right now. Uh, I don't need to bring it up. But it's uh, it's not no. you, Evan. You were, I was going to say you were looking right at Evan. Look right at Evan. <laughs> but you're right. It, it, it is the worst part of it is when someone's got a little kernel of truth to what they're saying. And so people people see that and, and they go, yeah, well, he, he makes a great point. And, I, and I've seen this in other environments. And I think, yeah, and this person is doing this strictly because they know that they know that this is a little bit of truth and I can manipulate this and I can get yes. you to come to my side by doing this. And that's, that's better than at least with a guy like Des, you know, you always knew where Des was coming from. No question. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and, and I, and I would a hundred times rather have Des Bryant on my team than T.O. And everyone in the locker room who's played with both guys will tell you that. Yeah. Uh, because they know, again, Des is roll your eyes. That's Des being Des. I know he says things, but he's a good teammate. Yeah. I know he has my back. Right. Uh, other players won't tell you that they know T.O. has his, their back. Yeah. T.O. will have their back if you're aligned with him. Right. Now, if you disagree with him, he has no use for you. Yeah. You know, some amazing things to me, to, to me about T.O., and this will be the last thing I want to say about him, is that uh, for a guy who piled up the yards that he did and catches and touchdowns, which were phenomenal, mm-hmm. you know, uh, certainly Hall of Fame numbers. Sure. Uh, is that he had the worst hands of anybody I ever saw who had those kind of numbers. You could not, th- he would not catch the ball with his palms out. You know, the ball, he was a cradle catcher, you know, a, a yeah. guy catching the ball over his head. He had an unusual number of drops. He, he made, again, he's kind of like, in some ways, he's like the, the, if we can mix sports metaphors here just to bring Evan into the conversation because he seems a little aloof at the moment. <laughs> it's, it's like a shortstop. He will make was, the great plays, but, yeah. but we'll, we'll screw up the, the small plays, the yeah. routine plays. T.O. was a lot like that. Some passes that you go, well, anyone could have caught that. He right. drops, but then he makes spectacular plays. Yeah. Uh, was that a good – can you relate to that, Evan? Uh, not really. No. 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 I, I don't know anything about that. I'm just trying to um, – He's trying to figure out who is this T.O. person that you're talking about. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> let's just that Tommy Oliphant. That's a T.O. Tommy Oliphant is that? Let, let's. It, I prefer to call him Terrell Owens, um, and he hasn't played for the Cowboys in ten years. Uh, he hasn't played for an NFL team in six 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 in six oh, years. Look okay. what we're thinking about. To take the, wow. Um, so what are you doing I, I, I don't understand over there. First of all, I don't understand why anything that Terrell Owens would say at this point in time has any impact on anything except that we, again, Evan, up here on his soapbox, live in a society where if somebody sticks a microphone in your face and you want to say something provocative, man, we'll put a headline on it. But Have you not heard his, of social media? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. His, his, I mean, his comments said are, this before. are yeah. worthless. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. The, he has no relation to the locker room no. as currently constructed. No. He clearly left on bad terms. Yeah. He was never regarded as a team player, one who put the team or elevated the team above himself. Even his most ardent supporters won't tell you he was a great team guy. Right. So, yeah, you know, why are we giving this guy weight and oxygen? Because we give everyone weight and oxygen in today's world. And, and if you happen to hit at, at a low news cycle in a particular sport right. or any or any industry. I mean, whatever you're covering, whether it's political, whether it's business, whatever. It's, if it's a slow news day per se, these things are going to carry catch yeah. on a you know catch fire in a way they wouldn't otherwise. No, and he, it's it's the it's John Rocker perspective. You know, just say something outrageous, and hopefully somebody will pay attention to you, and that you'll 
and they always will today. Yeah, yeah. you'll they'll, yeah. you'll continue to generate um, uh, fame and some degree of income just by saying stupid crap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can say that on the podcast. No, we can, can say crap. Can we? Okay. Yeah. All right. I was I was going to say something else. That wow. we can't say. Wow. All right. Well, let's move to the other guy who was uh, taking some shots at the Cowboys. Somebody with a little more credibility, although also kind of a, a little bit of a nutcase, and that's Rob Ryan, who who said uh, the other day that he was talking about, came out as a big fan of Dez and talked about mistakes made, and we think he was taking some shots at our old friend Mo Claiborne. Um, and then, but the interesting thing to me was. Uh, what he said about Rod Marinelli and the Tampa 2 defense in which he said that it hasn't stopped anybody since 2000, which, you know, I'm still waiting for Rob Ryan's defense to stop somebody. Right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, at, at any rate, uh, I think you can compare those numbers. But I, I do wonder if, uh, just to kind of get away from uh, guys taking shots, is there anything to what Rob says from the standpoint of they brought in Chris Richard uh, in the, uh, to coach the secondary, and, uh, and I'm wondering is – are the Cowboys tweaking the Tampa 2 defense? Yes. Well, now, Seattle runs a variation of the Tampa 2. So yeah. I think they've been pretty good at, at stopping teams. But And um, look, all, all of these, you have systems in place. Who runs a true West Coast offense anymore? That's something right. you heard all the time as well. It, it's all a variation and an evolution mm-hmm. uh, of what you start with. And you have guys at different spots around the league that emphasize different aspects of a defense, and, and then then they meld. Then you find them going to these teams or gravitating to these teams because, as Jason Garrett says, the, the DNA of our defense is the same as what Seattle runs. Mm-hmm. He's not saying it's the same defense or as effective, but the, but, you know, the basic principles are the same. And, uh, yeah, and, and, but, you know, I, I would argue you've, you've seen this over the last couple of years. When, when they established Matt Eberflus, who, who is now the defensive coordinator in Indianapolis, as the the passing game coordinator, um, look, he's in charge of coverage, and coverage is sixty five to seventy percent of the game yeah, today. Right, and so in essence, he was over the coverages, and Rod Marinelli was the pass rush in the front line. Well, just by sheer numbers, uh, your passing game coordinator is responsible for more players on defense than Rod Marinelli is. Yeah. So. Look, and, and, and Rod is fine with this, too. Rod knows that, that you need to adapt, and, and he's focusing more just on the pass rush aspect of it. And he also realizes that, look, um, I'm not going to be around a whole lot longer. Chris Richard, Matt Eberflus, these guys are going to be in the league for a long time doing what I was doing. And uh, so he's not, he's not possessive or authoritative, like, this is my defense, this is, this is how I have to do it. He's very receptive to, okay, you know, how do we attack this? How do we get variations in this scheme? But it still, it still adheres to the principles of what this defense is. And uh, he's very high on Chris Richard. He, he calls Chris Richard the best offseason acquisition they've made. Really? Now, yeah. Now, given who they've acquired and who they've lost, you can argue, you know, yeah, he, he certainly is. But, um, yeah, Chris Richard was highly regarded in Seattle, uh, a younger guy. He's going to be more aggressive, a little bit more in tune with what, um, you know, you're seeing offensively in the league. I, I don't want to say more in tune. I mean, Rod Marinelli studies all of this stuff. But he's, he looks at it a diff- different way and says, well, no, this is how we attack it. And you talk through it and you go, well, you know what? We bring this in. And I think it's going to be a big boost because I think – 
the defense will be just different enough, especially early in the year, that opposing offenses won't be able to get a fix on it. You know, it, this is all about uh, the, the nuances of the defense. It, there's not going to be a major change, but it's going to be, you know what, over the last two to three years, in every third and five situation, 85% of the time Dallas did this defensively and, and the and the linebacker, the middle linebacker went over here and this is you know how the safety dropped down. Well, now that's going to be different. Is it going to be what Seattle did on third and five? Is it going to be what Dallas did on third and five? Or is it going to be looking at your personnel, adapting it, and coming up with a whole different uh, variation and, uh, and a different trend, if you will, on how you play this? And, and that's what I think is going to be very beneficial to Dallas early. And I will point out, I thought the Dallas defense was outstanding in the second half of last season. I thought you really saw it building with a lot of young guys. Uh, I know people still seem to be very concerned about the defense. I, I think the defense is going to be very good this year. Well, those young guys in second, they were much better. Let's just, Did you want to say something, Evan? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say something. Okay, good. Let, Go ahead. Let's just go back. It, the uh, You mentioned that the comments he made about Marinelli were that the Tampa 2 hasn't stopped anybody since right. 2000. Let's also put into context that this was said on Undisputed, which, as other people know the show, is the show that nobody watches with Skip Bayless. Um and uh, he had some other comments. He talked about Mo Claiborne. Did did we we didn't actually give the Mo Claiborne quote? Did we? No, we did not. No. Okay. Um, so he said, "This is this is in relation of Dez, right? Believe me, this is this is Rob Ryan talking. Believe me, I made the mistake of putting a first year corner on him the first day of practice, and Dez Bryant punked him, knocked him down so bad he had a terrible career. He's still playing, but he's not any good. And it's because Dez punked him. That was the beginning of the end. That was the dumbest thing I ever did." But I tell you what, I love Des Bryant, and I believe in him. History has a way. History has shown great receivers can come back. So that's Rob Ryan on Des Bryant and the Mo Claiborne situation. Thank you. Now back to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to read quotes for us. I Mo think Claiborne also had a hamstring injury in his first training camp I, and missed most of it. Again, yeah. he did not play in any preseason game because of the injuries. It, it's yeah. a guy. It's, it's a guy who hasn't coached in the league in three years. Who, who coached for? Who, who was a defensive coordinator for five teams in, in the span of ten years? Teams that, by and large, were not any good defensively. Um, on a show that nobody watches. Talking about in in code about a cornerback. Of course, you're talking about you're talking on a podcast that nobody listens to. Well, this is true too. But I, <laughs> I, I, I at least um, I. It's a valid point. It, it is a valid point. I, I really don't have a comeback. For yeah. That, Kevin. Um, yeah. Well, here's here's what I remember about Rob Ryan's defense. I, I can remember when he first came in and he talked about how. First of all, they talked about how thick his playbook was yes. on defense. Right. It was. Yeah. Yes. And and so the what I remember is watching the game. It may have been the last preseason game i can't recall and guys are standing up on defense and looking around and then putting their hands out like what in the world are we doing here what are you supposed to be i mean multiple guys not just one guy standing up and doing that two and three guys doing it clearly no it was it was the opener because he was playing his brother and that was the deal i recall that now that that was that was he was playing his brother and he and i'm sure the thing it was uh i'm going to show him i'm really going to get this going here and I'm, and I'm going to put in my entire freaking playbook here for the first game and it was too much and yeah. they, they clearly didn't, didn't know what they were doing and that's and, and again to if you want to like analyze these comments from Rob Ryan uh, you, you have the, the Tampa 2 which is a very basic uh, I, I hate using this word because people will read too much into it but a simplistic scheme mm-hmm. there are a lot of schemes that just say you know what you put the player in position to make plays and 
you don't give him too much schematically because that interferes with his athletic ability to make the plays. Right. You, you get him in position. You you know it, uh, a system that make requires a player that takes away from his basic football instincts is not a good system. So we're going to pare this down and make it as simple as possible, as, as as few cues as possible. And in a lot of ways, that's what the Tampa two defense does. Rob Ryan's the exact opposite. Right. Rob Ryan is, you know, we have these remarkable athletes, the best in the world. They're smarter than you give them credit for. We're going to throw all kinds of things at the offense to confuse them. Now, you know, the philosophically, one set of defensive coordinators will go, well, no, you're confusing your own defense and you're creating holes for the offense to attack because of all that movement. Uh, but, you know, his side will say, well, no, you're too simplistic. And the other side has athletes that are just as remarkable, and you've got to throw them some curves. You've got to keep them confused. So as in with anything, the, the best is something in the middle, sure, some sort of, yeah. of melding of the two. And uh, I think Rob has never been one to meld because of his personality. He's on the extreme. Well, he's got a little T.O. in him. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there's no doubt about that. I, I, and I do think that on the, on the coaching level, I do think that uh, – I don't know how endemic this is in football, um, but, but the longer I'm around, the more I, I just kind of get this impression that the, the athletes throughout all of professional sports now are remarkable. Um, they are intelligent, um, and by and large, it's their skill that's going to determine yes. the outcomes of games. And I think that the, the, any practice of we're going to coach them up, we're going to win this game by coaching, we're going to out-coach the other team, I think by and large, we trump that up way too much. It comes down to the talent Coaches trump have. it up. Oh, the coaches yeah, the, the trump it up. The coach, Until yeah. it comes time to when <laughs> yeah. they're blamed for being yes. bad coaches. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and I just think that – the smartest coaches now are, are the guys who say, okay, I'm going to communicate with my guys. I'm going to treat them like men. I'm going to be honest and upfront, keep the lines of communication open, and I'm not going to worry about necessarily out-scheming people. I'm going to put a good scheme out there that, that relates to my players. And I'm going to let them make plays. Well, you need to put your players in a position to succeed. That that that's that's the whole issue. Right. Whether it's on offense or defense, it's, it's tweaking what you do to fit this. If you like this guy and you think this guy is really a difference maker, then you tweak it a little bit to, to fit him. But you're what but, you're but, doing is you're allowing them to win the game for you. Oh, you're absolutely. not going to win the game. Yeah, no. but 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 then also you have to deal with the fallout, which is if you don't have that success. Well, you're an idiot as a coaching staff. Oh, and you absolutely. don't do enough, right. which is what Jason Garrett faces going back to T.O. and his, his comments, which is what Jason Garrett faces now since they haven't advanced past the second round of the playoffs in, in his seven-year tenure. Uh, you, you look at it and you say, and, and he's very upfront, they're running, how many run plays do they have? How many pass plays do they have off the run play? And, and their stance is, he always goes back to, well, what about those Super Bowl teams in the 90s that I was on? Every team knew what the Cowboys were running, but they couldn't stop it because our personnel was better. Right. Now, you still have to do, again, you have to evolve with the times. Right. And, uh, and the game is different now than it was in the 90s. But And uh, every, the, the every sport apply. is because of the, I, sure. I think, because of the presence of every analytics and, the, and the, increased, the increased ability to, to turn athletes into remarkable human beings. Yeah, and, and and the idea, I think, in every sport, which is, you know what? Okay, this was a prototype of what we saw as a tight end. 
uh, or a fullback or a third baseman or, uh, you know, a point, a point guard. All of that changes over time. I mean, uh, tight ends now in the game are much different than they were 10, 15 years ago. Right. You don't even have fullbacks anymore, by and large. Uh, all of these positions change. I mean, look at the NBA, your point forwards now, the center position, which was the most essential position for success, is now viewed completely differently than it was 15, 20 Almost years ago. Almost extinct, if you ask me. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, baseball, look at the changes in baseball. I mean, right. it's just all uh, – I mean, you go back – 10 years ago and it's like okay you swing for the fences and you don't do the you don't move the runner around you don't bunt you don't back then people were going what in the world are you talking about that's not baseball you're taking all the strategy out of the sport well you're just moving the line the the, the strategic lines change with what the skill sets are and and what's what's going on so it's about getting great athletes like you know it's not a prototype build You, you can be you know what Maybe you can still be a good pitcher at six five or something. I mean, right. you know, there, there, there are still there are still size. There is no yeah. There is no prototype necessarily. Yeah. I mean, and, and the NFL requires size um, and, and and weight, obviously, more than yeah. than the other sports. Um, but uh, there is no necessary absolute prototype in regardless of the sport. Um, so, are we like basically in agreement here that T O, as you like to call him? Um, and uh, Rob Ryan, RR, as I like to call him, are idiots. <laughs> you know, that wasn't my purpose for, for bringing it up. Uh, I, but, I wanted to get into something here. You know, you know look, there, there's a little bit of truth to everything. It's just like David said uh, about a guy like uh, Rob Ryan. You know, you can't be too simple. You can't be too complex. Right. You, you had to find a, a, a middle ground here or something. But I, I did want to bring up something that – Speaks to a little bit of this with with Rod Marinelli. The only player I've ever heard him slightly call out was Byron Jones uh, at safety when he said, you know, he doesn't have anything. We're not asking him to do a lot of things back there. We're asking him to play center field, basically, and 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 get an interception. And so, uh, and of course, that's one of the, I think one of the reasons why now Byron Jones is going to be playing cornerback uh, instead of safety. So I'm wondering if you know. So when we talk about that the scheme and we're putting the guy in a position to succeed, clearly he thought that they were putting Byron Jones in a position where he should be making plays. Yeah, and, and he was not doing that. So, and and now he's playing cornerback. I don't think that's a coincidence that, that those things fall, fell into to line like that. No, and and also Chris Richard likes bigger corners, and, yeah. and now that the, you know, the question the question with Byron Jones, and this was across the organization, even as soon as he came in, they felt that well, look, this is a guy that can succeed at corner or safety. They felt. The ceiling was higher at safety for him. But the question was, will he be physical enough? Mm-hmm. You know, he, th- his size is just in between. He's a big corner, but he's a, yeah. a smallish safety. And it was, is he going to be big enough and a big enough hitter to, to force turnovers at the safety and distinguish himself there? Or, or is he just going to be a, a very good corner in this league? And after using him a couple of years at safety, I think they determined, well, you know what? He hasn't been making plays back there. 
Right. Um, let's go ahead and, and, and put him at corner because he has the size and, and, and the ability to do that. Now, again, he's like, look, he does an outstanding job on covering tight ends. You know, mm-hmm. And that's another thing. People shouldn't just be dismissed because they don't make plays. Right. You know, Orlando Skandrick didn't make a lot of plays, but it was an outstanding slot corner because receivers rarely had big games against him or made big plays against him. Yeah. So he prevented big plays, but he didn't make any. And Byron Jones kind of falls in that same category. I, I think he's he's pretty good in coverage. He's prevented some big plays, but he just hasn't made any. Now, yeah. uh, and he's but, not a thumper. Exactly. And but 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 that's been a big problem. I mean, Rod Marinelli said, you know, we get the pressure up front. We've got to force some plays on the back end, and they haven't really forced any plays on the back end in two years. Uh, you know, you take Sean Lee out of the mix; they don't have many players in that in right. the back seven. Yeah. and so. Uh, and, but but you want your your safeties and your corners to make plays, and they haven't had a group to this point that have been able to do it. Now, with all of this being said, I will also say last year was the closest they were able to come to playing the Tampa 2 and what Rod, Marley, Rod Marinelli likes to do. He likes physical corners who can play one-on-one, and you don't. You know, you don't get in as many zone coverages and that sort of thing. They had more physical young corners last year with speed. Yeah. They were up on receivers more. So it was closer to the scheme Rod Marinelli has always wanted to play and has felt most comfortable. And they should take another step this year, especially with Chris Richard here. And that's what I was going to say before Evan woke up all ago and started talking. <laughs> it was that the defensive backs, Awuzier uh, and, and Jordan Lewis, uh, when those guys really started playing well, is what you're talking about, at yeah. the second half of last year. Mm-hmm. To me, that's when you saw all the difference in the defense. Yeah, it, they, they, were, they were much better. And you know, and 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 what you what you could see in that too was just uh, even when guys were making catches, they're right on top of the guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you turn around and they've got two steps on somebody and, and going downfield. And you know what? If they got two steps, those guys close pretty quickly. Yeah, because they have good speed as well. Yeah. So this is this allows them to be more aggressive on the perimeter with the receivers. And you saw last year they started getting a lot of pressure up front from a lot of different places without having to blitz. Yeah. So. Um, I would expect that to continue this year. Now, I don't know that Demarcus Lawrence is going to have as big of a season as he did last year, but if David Irving plays more than eight games, yeah, uh, you know, again, eight sacks and or seven sacks and eight games is. And is, what if Randy Gregory much. comes back? Randy Gregory comes back. I, again, everyone was knocking Taco Charlton. I think you saw him at the end of the year do a few things. And and actually, if you want to go back. Demarcus Lawrence didn't do anything in his rookie season until right, right at the end. Now, most, he dealt with an injury. Most defensive ends don't. Most don't. No. No. So who is going to on the on opening opening? Who, I can't remember the schedule. I, sh- I know I should have memorized that by now. But uh, who who is in the opener? I don't know. Somebody. <laughs> Somebody. Uh, uh, Evan, look that up, would you? Um, so who's going to be? When did I become the producer of this show? <laughs> I like I like you in that role. It's not the Giants this time. For the no, it's not the Giants. That's right. I knew that. Uh, Hang on. I'm looking it up here. The first, Anyway, who is going to be the starting safeties? Who are going to be the starting safeties for the first game? Oh, I think it'll be... Uh, well, I think it'll be Jeff Heath. Yeah. We'll definitely be in there. Um, Kayvon Frazier has a shot, yeah. but uh, so does Xavier Woods. Yeah. I think we'll see how that plays out. So you do not think Earl Thomas will be here for opening? Oh, I, I think they're still – let's see how that plays Breaking. out. Breaking. Breaking news. What we got here? It's the Panthers. <laughs> it's the Panthers. Um, in Carolina. Uh, in Carolina. In Carolina. Uh, yeah, it's the Panthers. The Giants are the second game. Yeah. Um, 
But thanks uh, for that insight, Evan. Appreciate it. Well, it, when you're on uh, Chrome and you type in Dallas Cowboys schedule, they only give you the preseason schedule at this point. So I can tell you that they open the preseason with the 49ers um, at Levi Stadium on August 9th. They do. Thank you. Back to you. They may also be conducting practices with San Francisco before that. Really? Conducting practices? At the, at the 49ers facility. Oh, you know, there may it may get chippy up there. It could be. It'll definitely get chippy up there. Yeah, you know that that all oh, you hate it when that happens when two oh. teams work together and then there's a slap fight on the field. Do we have any former Cowboys on the 49ers? I can't remember any prominent guys. T.O. played for both. Yeah, yes, he did. They got T.O. Day. That'd be great. <laughs> the T.O. Memorial uh, preseason game. That'd be great. All right, so David. Good. Let's. Is there anything more to the? Uh, let's let's get to the uh, the basic the breaking news of the week. Is there anything more to the Terrence Williams story? Well, I rode my electric bike over here this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's bring the people up to date on Terrence Williams. What do we got here? Well, he was. Uh, he was arrested at around 4.45 in the morning on Sunday for suspicion of intoxication. It goes back to my theory that nothing good happens yeah, between 4, the hours 4, of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. on no. Sunday morning. Uh, and this was uh, his Lamborghini jumped a curb. His brand uh, new Lamborghini, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and he says, uh, he said, and his lawyer said in a statement, it did not hit a pole. The Frisco police said it did hit a pole. Um, he left the scene, but he does admit he was driving. He called, he said he called a friend to come get him, to take him back to his house, to where he called a tow truck to come get the Lamborghini. And at which stage he figured, well, I have to go wait for the tow truck. So I'll jump on my electric bike Yeah, yeah. to go up and get the tow truck and wait for the tow truck. At which point the police determined there's no driver here, but this car is registered to yeah. Terrence Williams. And they went, oh, we happen to know he lives over here about two blocks away, so let's go over there. And as they're going over to see if Terrence Williams is at his home, <laughs> Terrence Williams is up. on his electric bike. <laughs> because pedaling Going up. back to the scene of the accident. Do you yeah. pedal an electric bike? Well, you have to start it. Kickstart it, kind of, yeah. Yeah, you have to start pedaling, and then it, and it, then it picks up, yeah. I see, okay. Yeah. My wife rode one of those in the in the uh, little tour de cure thing we were in one year. People were actually accusing her of cheating. So, it's not a vest David, in all your years on the Cowboys beat, <laughs> um, and accidents that happen at 3 a.m. in the morning, That let's take all the tragedies out of this. Where does this one rank in terms of believability on the David Moore believability scale? In, in, in the comedic. On the, let's look at it from a comedic aspect first, <laughs> uh, especially when you consider two weeks before this, Terrence Williams on YouTube and in other forms of media is a staunch advocate for Lyft saying, look, there are great entertainment options here in Frisco. You don't need to drive your car. Go out, have a good time and take Lyft to and from. Unless you have a Lamborghini. Well, <laughs> did anybody consider that maybe he was, had he registered as a Lyft driver? <laughs> he was go, going to pick someone up. Well, that this could have been the off, case. Supplement right? his income a little bit. Absolutely. That, listen, I wanted to say this. I'm down with Terrence on this all the way. WT White guy that's in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That's a big uh, Hillcrest rival. Except for two things. <laughs> Just two. You've narrowed it down to two out of this two. scenario. First of all, uh, 
I don't know about y'all, but whenever I've had a little problem with a car like that and the car is no longer drivable, I have what we call a cell phone. <laughs> and then I call I call somebody and I say, hey, I need help. I call AAA and they come and help. And I can't tell you, the AAA people hate the Sherringtons because we have we have called AAA. They're not the only constantly. people. Thousands yeah. <laughs> of times to come and get there's our. A growing, there's a growing contingent out there. Uh, I think. For our, our, our heaps, for our thousands of heaps that have, have broken down on sides of roads all over America. How many, how, tell the people how many miles that Suburban had. The, the first one? Yeah. Uh, the first one had 342,000 miles. 19 years, 342 AAA should just refuse service well, they pretty at much a certain did. point. They pretty much did. They wouldn't, they wouldn't pick up the phone. They have a service up. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Get yeah. a new car, Kevin. They'll service you up to 250,000 miles. That's right. I don't have a vehicle now that has fewer than 200,000 miles. That's amazing. But anyway, the, 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 second thing. the second thing was his mugshot. Did did that man look you like? Think that's a little damning. I think. I <laughs> wish we could show that. The, the fact that we're a podcast really is, does us a disservice here because if all you got to do is put up this mugshot and say this man's not drunk, you when know, the you know when your eyes are half shut, it's never a good sign. But I and will say shot. that hey, yours getting, have been for half of the show. But <laughs> no, they were fully closed. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and fortunately, I, the, the apnea did not kick in at that point. Um. But. I certainly find it believable that, you know, the mugshot was taken at 5 a.m. He was probably a little bit sleepy. Just sleepy. sleepy. I'm telling you what, if, I, if, if the police have pulled me in, I'm, I've woke up. If, 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 You're woke? I'm woke. Okay. You know, I'm not, I'm not having trouble staying awake at this point. I, just, I, I, I am I mean, scared to death. I, I, you know, I don't get these kinds of police reports on my beat, but I just uh, the amazing al- elements of, okay, there's a Lamborghini crashed into a light pole. Oh no no that may not have clashed into a light pole. But here's the thing: if if I'm paying you know one hundred fifty thousand dollars for a car and it jumps a curb, I'm expecting it still to be drivable. You know? Yeah. You know? Unless uh, I unless I hit a, a light pole. Why don't these guys invest in the self driving car industry? Well, yeah, it's possible. Well, those do also wreck. <laughs> we're finding out. But I was say that. Yeah, they do, and they're not very cool looking. They're kind of boxy. And, yeah, that's and, a good point. Well, there's so many yeah. other elements there too. And he said in a statement that. The guy in front of him slammed on his brake, so he had to do this to avoid an accident. So right. he was being responsible and oh, driving his Lamborghini over a curb. Yeah, but it never and, hit the light pole. It did. It did. We we do the acknowledge police say it, it did the hit curb. the light pole. Well, and and I believe John Machoda is driven by that section and is seen like the pole down when like <laughs> remnants of Lamborghini all around in the. It's like you but know. Do like, we know that it was there, that it's like Lamborghini. chalk outlines of his like parts of his Lamborghini all around the light pole? Is, it, is, it, is it like on a Bugs Bunny cartoon? <laughs> it, it is the perfect outline of that right there. Yeah. I just I like wonder that. like what's going through the the Frisco police. Says, yeah, but then he says the guy like oh, and he got all of his insurance information. That this is this is what's so bizarre. He 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 went into like such detail on his statement that. This is going to be very easy to prove or disprove. Okay, who's the guy that you took the insurance yeah. statement from? Who? Let's who see it. Let's see it. You didn't hit. Was in front of you. Ran a red light. What? He saw you go up on the curve and then turn around and came, came back. Around and yeah. Came back. And <laughs> yeah. Gave you gave you his insurance yeah. information. It's just not oh, a Lord. really good story, you know. And, and also, no, it is. It is a good no, story. It's a great because story. it involves a Lamborghini. And, and an electric Williams bike. Pedaling an electric, electric bike, bike down the street <laughs> at 4 a.m. And the mugshot. The mugshot. You have all the classic elements here. I think and, that... I, and, and what is his thing about he knew the policeman and 
The guy still arrested him was basically the same in this. I know the policeman from the neighborhood. He still arrested me. Why is he arresting me? Here's what I, wanna, I know him. Here's what I want to see this fall. I want to see a, a, a meme, or as Je- our friend Jim Nance calls it, a meme uh, that that <laughs> shows during the game this year when when guys are running routes. I want to see I want to see Terrence on an electric bike. Like a little electric bike going in <laughs> as, he, as he's running to do the as he's staying in bounds when he needs to get out of bounds. Oh, then, oh, that'd be great! And then he talks about you know how always like doing the right thing, or he always tries to do the right thing. That wasn't the exact wording, but and, and I go back to in last year you had I an episode with Terrence Williams. Was, yeah. I have always been an upstanding citizen uh, yeah. and handled the situation the best way I know how. I apologize if I should have handled it a little bit differently. And this goes back to last year. Two days before the start of training camp, three days, yeah, yeah, the Sunday, Sunday or Monday before they leave for training camp on a Thursday. Video surfaces of Terrence Williams at five in the morning in clearly a, a strip of club, <laughs> in, in, in a strip club, taking his shirt off, taking his shoes off, and racing a guy in a strip club parking lot at five in the morning. <laughs> Two or three days before he reports to camp. Well, okay. Now, now this this video comes out. Getting a little exercise and, in, and he's getting you know he's getting skewered. It's like, what are you doing? You know, just some guy just threw down racing. Terrence Williams, who's a very sensitive individual, gets upset and says, "Everyone has his story wrong. Uh, that guy was my friend. We're friends. We just decided to race. There was nothing irresponsible about it. <laughs> so what? I'm racing a friend. I know the guy. I'm not putting myself at risk." Other than the fact you're barefoot in a strip club parking lot <laughs> at five in the morning, you don't think there's like the chance of a, a few broken bottles in that no. parking lot or what, what are the 24 hour strip joints? You know, Evan, uh, I was not aware. How much of, do you have? Of how that, <laughs> I know, I was not aware. What do you have in your works. pocket? Yeah. Where are the 24 hour <laughs> strip joints? You know, clearly we just need to keep him, you just get him a curfew, is all he needs. <laughs> you know? Give him a three o'clock curfew yeah, and everything will be fine. Yeah, we're, just, we're not going to cut you way off. We'll here. move it for you. Yeah. Just yeah, three. just three o'clock. Maybe he'd be okay. Well, I, I think Terrence Williams on an electric bike at four in the morning pretty much sums up the Cowboys. Yeah. Just too long. You think it had a little bell on it? God, jing, 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 streamers, jing. little basket, yeah. streamers, <laughs> little basket. Oh, oh well, I think it's probably time for us to close it out on the. Oh, the, let's yeah, it's time to probably PW. get into some more comedy and talk about the Rangers. Yeah, it's like maybe it's like the Bluth family with their segways going around at the. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was. Uh, I will tell you this since we're segueing into the Rangers. There was this point in time on the last, not this past road trip, but the road trip before that, where. Um, a reporter, not me, who shall remain nameless. He's a very nice fellow. He does have absolutely no filter. Was asking some questions, and he was kind of buried and trying to dig his way out. And Jeff Bannister, as he likes to do, was arguing the point with him. And um, it was uh, it was becoming a little bit awkward in the in the clubhouse in in the office. And um, uh, Bannister, Bannister kept harping on, what do you mean by uncomfortable? What do you mean by uncomfortable? What are they trying to do by uncomfortable? And so my segue was, um, speaking of uncomfortable. Oh, I was there for that one. <laughs> no, you weren't. It was yeah. in Toronto. Was it not? Yeah, no, I you swear weren't. I was there when you said that. Yeah, well, it's usually uncomfortable when I'm around. Maybe you said that more than once. Uh, 
Or maybe you just told me that. I don't know. I told you that, Kevin. That's maybe okay. that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Anyway, so let's, uh, Kevin, you um, as the as, as the grant, I'm now just a producer here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, do I need to do a ticker or anything? Uh, no, no, no okay. tickers. So do you want to just take us out? Uh, so the, this is our Cowboys podcast, and we, we are going to have also <laughs> a Rangers podcast wow. this week. We're going to have two podcasts, uh, huh. and that's it. Two. We, you, you come back next week, we two. might have three or four or five. What have you ever had five? Oh, it could go up. You never can tell what might happen. <laughs> it just depends what's on our mind. Yeah, right? we can get carried away very easily. And yeah. now that you're here, I mean, our world has expanded. It's an <laughs> expanding yeah. universe. As if we not all exponentially. Know. As we all know, a universe is always expanding. So that was our science fact for today. Um, so uh, for everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks, everybody. <laughs> three of us in here. <laughs> and we'll see you. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.